Mino Line Media presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. Just like the transparency part of it, it's like, why not be transparent? Why hoard the information and like, why not share what's in it, you know? So like, because I'm very inquisitive, so is my sister and my siblings. We like to know information. So it just made sense to share the information that we have. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Chinanye Okunye, co-founder and CEO of Alera Apothecary. Before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and your feedback means so much to us. Please leave us five stars and a review. We'd love to hear from you. All right, everyone. Chinanye is an award-winning entrepreneur, educator, natural skincare expert, and business development leader. She has a history of building and running two successful companies, Alera Apothecary, a luxury body and skincare company that uses plant-based ingredients to create a range of practical, gender-neutral products, as well as Alera Labs, a contract manufacturing company that works closely with small and medium enterprises to bring their product line to life while delivering exceptional quality to make their brand stand out. Currently, Chinanye simultaneously holds the position of Board of Director for the Michigan Industrial Hygiene Society and the Stratford Festival. She has been recognized for her service in the community and advanced research and healthcare access. Under her direction, Alary Apothecary has been recognized as the top sustainable brand contributing to integrating environmental sustainability and technology in the beauty industry. Chinanye's hobbies include global travel, reading, visiting art museums, and volunteering to make the world a better place for all. Chinanye has been featured in Vogue, Elle, Mary Claire, Essence, The Huffington Post, and more. Chinanye, welcome to Business of the Beat. I am so honored to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Kendra. I'm really excited to be here as well. I've been looking forward to this conversation because we've cross paths. You've been part of Beauty United with us. I've been watching your growth. So it's going to be a great day. And to start, I would just love to hear your story from Nigeria to Detroit, um, your business. Tell us everything. Okay. (laughs) That is a very, very long story. So um, Nigeria to Detroit actually started in Columbus, Ohio. That's where I was born and raised as a first generation American to Nigerian parents. So um, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. My dad's a pharmacist. My mom works in education and was primarily a stay-at-home mom when I was growing up. So I had always like in that Nigerian tight-knit community, as well as very exposed in the community. So like volunteering at the library for summers in middle school, 
when I got to high school volunteering at the hospital, um, on this whole career path towards medicine, like my entire childhood, um, and just always being exposed to new things. So like always going away to summer camp, always doing extracurricular activities, always going beyond, be above and beyond because um, there's like this stereotypical joke that like in a Nigerian household, a B is not acceptable. And it's like an A is not acceptable. You need to get an A plus. So just always striving for greatness, always um, looking to do like the best that I can in any situation that I'm in. So I grew up in Columbus, went to college, ended up having to like, I started off at a large university, Ohio State. And when I tell you I was involved in any and everything I was involved in everything at Ohio State to the point that it really affected my academics. And Ohio State politely asked me to leave the school. And I ended up transferring to a smaller school in Kentucky, still on this path to medicine, still like taking these really difficult like organic chemistry and gen chem classes. And um so on this path. So that led me to going to grad school to boost my GPA. And when I was boosting my GPA, I got, I was in the master's of public health program and I specialized in environmental health science. And so there I started getting into industry. So like industrial hygiene, safety regulations, how chemicals are bought off in manufacturing facilities, and really getting that industrial experience from a chemistry point of view. And so during grad school, I was, I'm in a really small town in Kentucky and I'm having to, I couldn't continue driving like an hour to get my hair done. So I went natural and um, started just like making my own flaxseed hair gel, making my own hair products in grad school as a way to save money. And just because I'm a tinker, so it's like a great way to learn about the whole experience. So this was like 2012. So the whole natural hair movement was like just getting riled up at this point. And so there still weren't like a ton of products. So I was experimenting. And so like this was for about two years until I graduated. And it's interesting because when I graduated grad school, I had applied for med school at the time and as well as applied for jobs. And so I was accepted to med school and accepted and um, offered a job opportunity immediately after graduation. And by this point, I said, I'm going to take the job because it started in... It started in like May, so uh, Memorial Day weekend. It started in May, but then med school started in August. So I was like, well, you know, if I don't like the job, I'll just go to med school. At this point, I was still like, now I was um, contemplating, do I even want to go to med school? So I ended up getting this job, moving to Atlanta from Kentucky, ended up not liking the position. And so I'm, I'm in this dilemma now come August because I'm like, you know, I need to either go to school or I need to get a new job because my parents were not going to accept me not going to school and then being miserable at a job in Atlanta. And so I, I was traveling and ended up coming to Detroit for a wedding. Never been to Detroit past in the past, but coming to Detroit for a wedding and um, loving the city. And so 
loving the city. And I decide that I'm going to apply for positions here in the city of Detroit. I ended up getting two job offers and I chose the one that had the best benefits. And so started my new position in October of 2014. And during this time, my youngest brother was going completely vegan, changing his entire lifestyle. And um, he needed a new deodorant. And so I started researching deodorants and just start researching the chemicals that are found in them and realize that the same chemicals that are found in deodorants are also the same chemicals that from my professional um, experience, I was not allowing to be allowed into the, into the manufacturing facility just because of their health hazards. And so after learning this, I just got into the kitchen and just started like researching just different deodorant ingredients and compounds and formulations on my own and um, ended up giving it to my brother. At this point, I had like extra samples. And so I gave it away at a party that I had and people loved it. And like a week later, this guy was like, hey, I really like the deodorant. Do you have any more? And I was like, I don't have any more, but I can certainly make some for you. Because at this point, it wasn't my goal to be getting into skincare, making deodorants or anything like that. It was my brother had a need. I had extra ingredients and there were party favors. You know, somebody called me the hostess with the mostest that day. And so like that, like that summer, that was like the summer of 2015 when I just started making deodorant and my sister was like, Hey, my sister is in marketing. Like that's her whole background. And she was like, Hey, like, um, what you have is like really good. I really think you should do more with it and have other items like body creams and things like that. And I just was like, okay, like sure. And started giving it to friends and family. And a friend invited me to a vending event, like maybe five months later, And it was my first vending event. It wasn't anything special. It was just like, hey, I have these products. At this point, like I'm not a salesperson. I have products and I'm not fully committed to like this whole experience. And we got a wholesale contract at that very first vending event. So I'm having like immediately to be like, okay, like this just got real. Let me do more research. Let me figure out what wholesale is. Let me see like how I can really scale this. And so I started taking business classes. I started, um, like my dad's a pharmacist. I started asking him like more questions to help me with my formulation and how to start everything. I start going to the market where they sell raw ingredients. And I start asking like vendors, like, hey, where do you like directly, where do you source your ingredients from? How can I get this in bulk? And just like started to do more research in the beauty industry as a whole and how I could like then create something to service. Cause at this time people are really into like organic ingredients. Like how, how can I like get serious about this? Because this is something that has been created and I'm not just going to stop it here. I'm going to make sure I finish this and like do the best I can. So six years later, like we're still here with the Lara Apothecary and we now are sold in 40 stores across the U.S. We are opening up a many, we have a manufacturing facility and now I'm like in the phase of like building out a larger scale FDA regulated manufacturing facility so that we can start making for other companies in addition to our own to like service the need in the industry. So like, I guess that's a very 
long way to say like where we started, like from my Nigerian heritage to where I am now and how everything just kind of like intertwines into where we're going as a company in the future. I I love that story. And thank you for taking time to walk through it, especially with the dates, because it helps. I feel like I can visually follow everything that's happening to get us until now. And that history is so important as we think about brands and branding and growth and also sustainability of the brands. And I want to kind of take take the story and kind of take it apart. So it's interesting because when we talk about developing a brand, we have to understand what's the need, right? What's the market need? It also has to fit with something personal for us, right? So like there is a need, but how does it fit into my life so that when it gets hard, I'm going to remain passionate about it. And then like, where's the opportunity? So you talk about starting with your brother and your brother on this journey of going vegan and then your sister (laughs) saying, I'm in marketing, hold on. So, so talk about, building the business with, it's kind of like on the heels of your family's inspiration, but then with your family, having your family involved in so many different aspects of the origins of the company. And then to now, and like, what have you learned as a business owner, having family to kind of support and be part of it? Yeah. So as a, I guess like from the beginning, like building business, building a business with the family, I honestly, like the amount of like the inspiration that my brother showed and then just like his transition and him going vegan and like this whole lifestyle, that was an inspiration on its own. And then having my sister who like her and I have like different visions, but having her have like this very high end vision for the brand and executing it and like creating our messaging and, and just being like, really, I, I thank her every day. Cause I'm like, yo, like what you did for the business, like in the beginning, like I, I would have never done that. The branding, the marketing, like how you presented our brand story, how you were able to intertwine all of that. Just like her using her artistic side of her brain was amazing. And so it's just like, even having her insight as like, what are things that we should approach? What are things that we shouldn't? And then, um, like, I think like that really helped even very early on. She had the idea of like having interns and like getting interns to work with us. And so now one of the interns that we had like three years ago, we brought her into the company. And so she's now our COO and runs our operations. And so it's like starting with family and then branching that out to like the broader community and tapping people that we see valuable and and just like making sure that we're using all of our resources. It's been, it's been amazing. And that's how like we've been able to build such a great company with very um, humble roots and just like really um, pulling all of, pulling all of our resources together to build the companies, like what we've been able to do over the years. You know, it's, it's interesting. I love that story because I want to come back to mentorship and how you took an intern and really helped her grow. And you talk about using resources and humble roots. And I think that that's so key because I know when I started my first company, everyone was like, oh my gosh, you need this and you need that. And, you know, we didn't have all of that money. We had community, we had an idea, but the resource piece is so crucial. So you talk about your dad being a pharmacist and I find it so fascinating that you're, you're here in your kitchen, you're figuring out ingredients for your brother. And then you have this amazing resource 
um, of a pharmacist and being mm-hmm. able to identify that, tap into that, and then take it one step further, because then you said, I went and I started asking questions. So the resource piece is so important. Talk about, especially, you know, a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs who are starting out or advanced. How do you kind of look in your circle and identify these are the resources that I need. This is my roots and heritage. Like, how did you merge the two? Or was it just natural because your dad was a pharmacist? Yeah, so it wasn't It wasn't necessarily just natural because he was a pharmacist. So I, like, during this time I'm starting this business, I'm also very new to the city. And so I am networking. Like, when I tell you, if there was an event I was going, I was talking about who I am because I'm also looking for friends. So I'm like, I'm brand new to the city. So it's like, I, I had to um, like emerge my or submerge myself into a, um, like an ecosystem of where people were. And that turned out to be the entrepreneur ecosystem. And here in Detroit, like, the city has just, they have so many resources for emerging entrepreneurs because also at this time, the city had just, I think we were still in bankruptcy when we moved here. So they were really like actively building the city from like almost from the ground up. And so I knew that like, I knew that I needed to figure out like what I was going to do here. So emerging myself into this ecosystem, you just start talking to people and then people introduce you to other people. And then next thing you know, like you're part of this ecosystem and introducing new people. And so it's like this transfer of information that has happened within my life. Like I'm a very inquisitive person as well. So I'm always asking questions and because I'm always asking questions, it's easy for me to meet people. And I think that just because I put myself out there, I put myself in situations that might be very uncomfortable. People see that they notice that, and I'm no longer a new face. I'm a familiar face. I'm then a friend. And then it's like, I'm sharing resources with a friend. And so I am really big on like the relationship building part of networking and not just the transactional part, because that always comes. But when you have a relationship with someone, it's like your two friends talking and you're sharing information for the broader good versus I'm trying to gather as much information as I can from you today. Then I don't talk to you for five years and it's like, oh, hey, like it's like <laughs> long time to see or something like that. So, yeah, I just I, I like to uh, some I like to put myself in situations where I can learn and like just be a beacon of learning for other people. Oh, I love a beacon of learning for other people. That is so important. And I think especially in our community, we have to be the catalyst to share the knowledge, right? And to continue to learn. I think that's what makes everything so exciting, right? Like we can mm-hmm. wake up and we can learn something all the time that really impacts not just our business, but those around us. And I like about how you talk about the relationship part. So we kind of started and I alluded to you were part of our Beauty United mentor program. And when Moja and I started creating that, that was not our intent. We didn't even realize we were building a nonprofit to help (laughs) diversify the industry, but we knew that we wanted to help people. And so I, I read something and you were talking about the benefits of mentorship and that being different than sponsorship. So as I'm hearing you talk about relationships and putting yourself out there, 
Talk about the role of mentorship in terms of building your career. I know now you are a mentor. And then this notion of sponsorship as you're building a business. Exactly. So like with mentorship, it's anyone can be a mentor, even like people who are very green in this and have less experience than you. And it's about like those resources that you're able to share with each other, advice you're able to give people you're able to connect them with. And if I didn't have mentors or just sought out, sought out advice from people, I really, I would not be here today. And I, I truly believe that like for you to grow in your career, you really, for you to get to like that next level, you can absolutely grow steadily, but for you to experience like a, a growth that is like almost like a trajectory growth, you need a mentor. You need somebody in your corner who's telling you, the ins and outs of like what's going on in the industry. And if they're not in your industry, who's really giving you advice. So I have a mentor who is in um, development and she gives me leadership advice and how to lead a team and how to build, how to build a team. She has no experience in beauty. However, like her experience is so invaluable to me because I, I did not, go to business school. And so I also have like, I'm very new to building a teams and leading like this. And so having her as a mentor and telling me like the books to read and suggesting the leadership academies to attend, that's very valuable. And then like from a sponsor point of view, like a sponsor, somebody who is in my network, who is in beauty and who's able to then get my brand to where I couldn't get it just on my own without a connection. So like I would refer to you, Kendra, as a sponsor because the um, the connection and relationship that you merge with myself and Blushington, that is something that only a sponsor could have done. My mentor could not have done that for me. So like just you, sponsor, even like you now putting me on this podcast, like that to me is sponsorship because you're now exposing me to other people in our immediate industry. Wow. Thank you. I'm, I'm so honored to be part of that. Yes, that's right. I thank you. Thank you for that. And, and I think that it's so important. You know, I think about even just in my own career and there's so many people that I credit along the way. And I just know that I would not have had the success, the learnings, um, the risk-taking without having both mentors and sponsors. And I think that people have to really understand that. Like we, we can't do anything alone. And so whether it's family, whether it's looking outside of the industry in the industry, you know, that is just, it's, it's so important. So I appreciate you saying that. Um, (laughs) And I also want to, I want to dive into um, Alara Apothecary. Like I think what you are building is amazing. I I love, love, love the components, your transparency with the ingredients. I have to say, like, I I learned going to your website. So everyone, if you go to the Larry Apothecary website, they list out all of their ingredients. And I promise you, I don't know many brands that go that deep with every ingredient. Like I'm like, the apricot oil, the dried roses, the lavender oils. So, so <laughs> it's just, it's beautiful. So talk about the brands and the ingredients and that story and why you've chosen to be so transparent. Yes. So everything about what we have done in this brand has been very intentional 
from the minimalistic packaging to the glass packaging to our name. So I guess like we'll start with our name. Ilera means health in the Yoruba language in Nigeria. So the Yoruba, that's like another tribe found in Nigeria. And then apothecary, my dad's a pharmacist. We grew, my siblings and I grew up working at um, the family pharmacy. So an apothecary is an old word for a pharmacist. So that's how we got the name Ilera apothecary. And then the transparency part in the ingredients, because um, we are first generation Americans, my sister and I really wanted to merge our Nigerian heritage in building the brand. And so that is why we chose those commonly found in those uh, West African ingredients, those ingredients commonly found in Africa. So shea butter, for example, shea butter is only grown in the, sh- the shea belt of Africa. That's like 21 countries that span from Nigeria, which is West Africa, all the way through the middle, all the way to like um, East Africa, Kenya. So it's a tree. It literally only grows in this region. You cannot grow shea butter in any other part of the world. And they've tried, but the tree just doesn't hold up. So like, you know, using, using such like a powerful ingredient, they call it women's gold and they call it women's gold because it's the women who are literally breaking, they're gathering the nuts, they're breaking it by hand. They are melt, crushing it down, melting it down. So that you then get this butter texture, which is then used in food, is used in cosmetics. A lot of people don't know this, but like, I think 94% of shea butter that is produced is used in food. So like our chocolates, our desserts is used. That is like the main ingredient. And so like having it, having skincare as shea butter is like something that has always been used traditionally, but it's never been like a marketed um, product that was like very common in the marketplace. And so just like making sure that we were using those ingredients and then even using like the cocoa butter, the jojoba butter, and making sure we're using like very indigenous things that are sourced and grown in the African continent, especially in West Africa. That was very important to us. And then um, when people look at our packaging, it is very simple, brown bottle, white label, black text. And that's to represent the minimalistic properties of the product. So like, or not the minimalistic properties, but like just like the the very like small ingredient range that we use. Yeah. Every ingredient has a purpose. If it doesn't have a purpose, it cannot go into the product. And even when we were developing the product, we knew that eventually like we're global people. So we would want the product to be sold globally. So we made sure that we looked at the European Union standards as to ingredients and what they don't allow, because we knew that we wanted to make sure that we didn't have to do any reformulating when we grew. Mm -hmm. We knew we were going to grow. We didn't know the timeline, didn't know how fast, but we knew we were very intentional when creating the product and sourcing the ingredients and selecting the ingredients. That just like really just like the transparency part of it. It's like, why not be transparent? Why hoard the information and like, why not share what's in it, you know? So like, because I'm very inquisitive, so is my sister and my siblings. We like to know information. So 
it just made sense to share the information that we have. Well, it, it's helpful. I mean, I, I really, I appreciate that, especially now as, you know, even looking at your brother transitioning into vegan, it's so important what we put topically, what we ingest. And so I just found it so educational, the things that I know I like, but didn't know why I like them. Uh-huh. And then being able to match that into the products and even the systems that you talk about and how the ingredients and the products actually work together mm-hmm. to help us. You know, I, I love that systematic approach. And how does that play into manufacturing? So you, you've you talked about the ingredients kind of sourcing, and now you're building your own manufacturing, which I think is phenomenal. Talk about paying it forward. How did you get to this place of we need to have our own manufacturing? And what's been the process to date to ensure the quality of the ingredients that you're sourcing. Yep. So very early on, I think like within a year, I knew that I did not want to do this in my apartment. So I also come (laughs) from a manufacturing background. So I am all about like lean processes and systemization and SOPs. Like I'm all about that. So I knew very early on that doing it in my apartment was not going to be feasible. So through, um, I went to a networking event once and there were, it was like a brunch networking event at this manufacturing co-working space, um, here in Detroit. And I just was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Like there are different businesses in here who are just making their own products. So of course, like I got the information of the building and started talking to them (laughs) and it was like, I think it was like maybe a five month wait list. It was not something that was immediate. And so I was on the wait list, got in and I had like this, um, (laughs) it was like a room of like, I think it was maybe 160 square feet. Maybe it was very small, very, very small, but it was what I needed. And when we, when I tell you that small 160 square foot room, we did a partnership in Macy's manufacturing out of that small room. We did their wow. work, their um, marketplace at Macy's for three yeah. months. We then launched a holiday store in the city of Detroit um, from October until February in that 160 square foot manufacturing wow. space. And when I tell you we killed it that season, <laughs> and like we, yes. I use every single space to the point that we ended up growing out of that space into the hallway. And then like by chance, the building sold. And so we all had, we all moved to another space that was like down the street, all the businesses that, well, some businesses went and got like, some businesses grew and are now in like Target and Walmart and Sally's like grew out of it. They had been there for some time. And then, so I was like, it's very like, you could see these businesses and it's like, you're seeing their growth. So I was like, awesome. So we get to this new space and we're at like maybe 350 square feet. And like, I think within six months, we, we asked for new space for 600 square feet. And so just continue growing. And during this time, um, business is steady. We're getting wholesale orders and then COVID hit. And so COVID hits and we start manufacturing hand sanitizer. Um, and then we start manufacturing hand hand sanitizer to like keep afloat because during this whole time we had, um, events scheduled like we we were planning to do like large trade show events we actually had one booked and it was canceled like 
the week before it was canceled early March South by Southwest. And yeah. that was like such a heartbreaker. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, we have these huge plans for the brand and um, we can't do anything. So we immediately start doing hand sanitizers and then George, the George Floyd incident happened. And then it was like, we went from just like this very small niche business that if you're outside of the Detroit area, you really don't know much about us because we've grown word of mouth this whole time. And then brands just start reaching out to us left and right about selling our products. And like, it was great at first, but then it was like, whoa, like we need to, like one, we can't, we can't do more than what our, our capability is Two, we need to start vetting these brands that we are taking on these make these um, requests for, for wholesale accounts. And three, it's like, we just didn't have the funding to be able to scale at that rate. And so like also during this time, like businesses, a growth business, like booms last year, I think it went from like 483 billion to 511 billion like within the year because Mm -hmm. business was such a growing industry and so other brands started reaching out to us to ask if we can start manufacturing their goods and like these are brands within the detroit area so it was like a um a brand wanted to they had food ingredients they wanted to um use their spices to create beauty products. And so it was like a project we took on. We were able to like create hibiscus hand soap, hibiscus bar soaps, um, Mm -hmm. coffee bar soaps, like things that represented their brand and just turned it into a skincare product. And then like we started doing that this past year, we've done it for like six brands and realized that like in addition to having this brand side of us, Ilera Apothecary, there's also the service side that, we just yes. happened to happen to develop called Lara Labs. And so now it's like we're at the point where we're looking at space. I think I found the right space. And we're like going to be very strategic getting like an FDA certification. That way we are literally a laboratory for other brands who are who maybe like they can't do a 10,000 order minimum that a larger contract manufacturer may need. But like we can certainly turn out 400 for them. And that is like what we're now building. In addition to Elera Apothecary, the brand, we have now grown into Elera Labs, the service provider. And so it's like, it's interesting how we went from our hundred and like hundred square foot facility to now I'm looking at a space that's like 2000 square feet. And now we're going wow. from just our brand to wholesale across the country to now making and manufacturing for other brands. So like the growth has been something that I would have never in my a hundred years guessed, like ever, <laughs> like did I guess like we could do this. And it all goes back to networking and who is talking about you and who knows your name. Like we didn't solicit any of this like lab business. People came to us like, hey, can you help us? And we just, you know, like, absolutely, we can help you. And then like when people, when retailers started finding out about our brand last summer, it wasn't that we were like doing marketing or pushing it. It was our customers that we had built this relationship with over the years that were then sharing our brand and like literally 
I, our customers, like such a mighty group of people. I was, I was like, oh my goodness, we, for like a brand that's been so word of mouth for so long, like the, our customers have had our backs and like promoted us and shared our stories. And whenever they, I think a customer tagged us in the beauty United post, like, Hey, you guys should apply to this. And so it's like just network <laughs> networks from all around has gotten us to our small facility where we're like pumping out products and still like growing a brand to now growing Elera apothecary and Delera labs. Wow. I, I'm just, I'm smiling so much <laughs> because I just love it. I love the tenacity. I love the learning. I love the networking piece of it. And I love the expansion, right? Mm-hmm. Because in business, we always have to, we have to keep our eye on the prize. Mm-hmm. So we have to know what our core business is, but we have to also keep an eye towards innovation mm-hmm. And I love it because you're rooted in service and you're rooted in helping people and you're rooted in giving back. And so this natural extension of how do I take manufacturing and how do I help other people who are coming along to provide this alternate source? Exactly. And it's just so, so, so crucial. And even to go from 160 square feet to 350 to 600 and now 2000. I think that it's just, it's phenomenal. And when you think about um, the future, right? So you said you're in 40 stores across the US. You now have Alara Labs. What does the future look like? And what advice do you have for entrepreneurs? You're six years mm-hmm. in. Uh, the future is endless, honestly. I, I like to think of us as like the early stages of what L'Oreal was a hundred and something years ago. And like they now, they have their core brands, L'Oreal, but then they have all these other brands under them. They also have their own manufacturing all over the world and just like making an impact. And like, they are also very sustainable and very transparent. And so I, that's what I'm really like modeling Ilera as, and just like being this global brand, it's no longer just like about us growing and growing into stories. It's about how do we make sure our partners are also doing the same thing? Like you have to remember, like my, I haphazardly entered manufacturing because I had a setback in undergrad and had to get a GPA up and went to grad school and fell into this. And so it's like, just like my experience and knowing that like what I knew then I would have never imagined I would be here today. So definitely like, Possibilities are endless for us. Definitely looking to be a global supplier, global brand. We really want Elair Apothecary and we want it to be a brand name all around the world and then be a service provider for other beauty brands globally through our lab setting. And so I really want other entrepreneurs to know that a setback is not a stop. It's really just a way for you to, to recognize your greatness and almost fall into your greatness. You know, like how do I follow the path to med school, we wouldn't be talking today. And so I think that everything happens for a reason and never limit yourself. Like always, always think highly of yourself. Always think that you can do more than what you currently, what your mindset is currently able to do. And remember, like, as long as you keep going, you can never fail. So I think like, because we just keep going, it's like, you just keep going when a challenge comes your way, don't fall back and retreat, like learn it, figure it out, 
ask for help. That's one thing. Ask for help and ask meaningful questions when you are asking for help. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm like, what can I ask for help on? I think being an entrepreneur, I've been told by so many people that our biggest flaw as entrepreneurs is asking for help or waiting too late to ask for help. And I love, I mean, oh, never limit yourself as long as you can keep going, you can keep winning and you can succeed. I mean, those are just, they're life lessons and yes. they're lessons that we all need to think about. And it's exciting because the future is endless. It really, really is. And you're paving the way, you're showing us that. And I'm just, I'm so honored to have you on the podcast. And before I let you go, we always have one question um, and it's really to share the love and spread the word about products in our community. But What's a brand that we should all be checking out? Of course, Lara Apothecary. Um, anything else that you'd like to, to spread light on? Yes. Um, so there are a bunch of beauty brands coming out of Detroit that are doing some pretty cool things. Nice. And they all have like their own different niches. So I want to name a couple just like off the top of my head coming out of Detroit. We have For Her Cosmetics. This is a chemist who is who graduated from um, Michigan State, and she has her own makeup line. So she recently introduced a foundation, has lipsticks, had, and she also does this cosmetics and chemistry program for young girls and literally teaches them the chemistry behind cosmetics. She does like virtual classes and teaches them how to make their own like lip glosses and lipsticks and things like that. So the fact that she's also able to engineer service into what she does, I think is absolutely amazing. There's um, Bobby Skincare and this girl, she literally like suffered from acne and also as a scientist. And I believe she does like laboratory work now and also a scientist and formulates acne skincare for people. And then there is um, 12th and Viv. And they have this amazing body care line and they have really good candles and also like candle kits and like just ways to get people to um, embrace skincare from their home. So like just like those top three brands that are emerging brands to look out for in coming out of the city of Detroit, I think um, definitely want to like shed light on them and give them their flowers because it's such a growing industry and to have just like people that you can actively, and these are people like we all started around the same time and like mentor each other, share resources with each other, ask questions. And so I think it's very important to lean on people within your own industry. And yeah, they are all competition technically, but without competition, like no one grows. And so it's like, it's nice Love to that. just like <laughs> know people who are in your industry that you know that you can like use as a resource. Wow. Without competition, no one grows. I love that. And I love that you're shouting out Detroit. I'm just to go to a wedding and say, oh, I'm moving to Detroit, especially as Detroit was undergoing its own like reawakening. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I love I was reading something um, an interview that you did and you gave a whole map of Detroit. Like, here's what I do. Here's where I go. Here's where I'm sold. Here's what I eat. And I was like, I've got to get to Detroit. 
I'm like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like, it is like such a growing city and like the growth, like I've been here, it'll be seven years in October, time flies. But like the time I've been here, it's this amazing city. I've met so many people and I've personally grown as a person. Like had I not moved here, I wouldn't be an entrepreneur. Yeah, I grew up in an entrepreneur home, but I, it wasn't something my it was never something that I was like striving to do. So definitely got to give props to the city that's definitely shaped this part of my life. Wow. All right. You and Fur Her Cosmetics and Bobby Skincare and 12th and Beeve coming out of Detroit. It's exciting. Thank you so much for taking your time to join us, to share your experience, to encourage us, to shed light and to help us all to keep pressing forward and moving forward with our goals. So thank you. And thank you for having me, Kendra. This was fun. And every week I share an influencer I'm checking out. And thanks to Chananye, make sure to follow For Her Cosmetics. That's at F-O-R-H-E-R Cosmetics. As well as make sure to check out all of the other great brands coming out of Detroit. And as always, I want to leave you with one thing from today's guest, and that is to always remember the future is endless. So everything that you do say, feel, believe, and behave leads us to know that the future is endless. And with that, follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode and we love to get your feedback. Make sure to leave a rating and review. Until then. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, associate producer Ariel Mancibo, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, edited by Fishmar Creative, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast. And on IG at Business of the Beat. Business of the Beat is a Mean Old Line Media production.